welcome to Trainers Talking Truths. This is an ISSA podcast dedicated to exploring the fitness industry and uncovering the whys and hows of personal training. To do that, we'll talk directly to the industry experts and certified trainers. We'll dig into fitness programming, business tactics, nutrition, and more. You'll even hear from current training clients who offer insight from the other side. We've got the fitness industry covered, so turn up the volume and enjoy the drive. Hello, world. Welcome back to the ISSA podcast, Trainers Talking Truths. I am your co-host, Jenny Scott, ISSA product developer and master trainer, here with my host with the most, Dan the Mandaran. What's up, Dan? Living the dream, sister. Living the dream. Nice. Well, welcome back, everybody. We've got a great topic today. We're talking about nutrition. Everybody eats, right? There's a lot of things everybody does, right? We all have belly buttons. Not everybody, actually. That's a false statement. I really? <laughs> yeah, I know a kid in high school. This is so random, but there was a guy in high school who he had, he did not have a belly button and he used to show it to us all the time. His name was Frank. I'll never how, forget how it. How does that happen? Um, he, it was, it was surgically removed. He actually had one. Let's be real. You can't be born without no. one, but it was like surgically removed and he had a hernia or something when he was a baby. And I see so a podcast. No I see a podcast idea here for, for, for people who have had their belly buttons removed. Right. Or things you should have that people don't. There you go. <laughs> Talk to somebody there. who doesn't have eyebrows, right? <laughs> I want to talk about eyebrows. Let's talk about people without, no, I'm kidding. All right. <laughs> but today we are going to talk about nutrition. I have an amazing um, guest with us today. Her name is Sky Halliday Wilson. What's up, Sky? Hi, Jenny. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. And you know what? I have to say on the belly button thing, I did go to summer camp with a girl who had two belly buttons. So Ooh, she took freaks. We could definitely do a podcast on this entire topic because I have never recovered from seeing those two belly buttons. (laughs) Weird. Weird. She probably ran around showing it to everybody, huh? (laughs) Yeah. And I I think, you know, growing up, I'm assuming she was a twin at some point, but when when you're eight, you just, you know, you don't think about those things. All I know is I was scared. (laughs) Did she absorb her twin? Oh no, we're going down a rabbit hole. I was going to say. I'm a twin too, but I did not absorb my twin. And my twin is a boy. Oh my God. Dan's like, what have I gotten myself into? I love where this is going. We can just keep going. We'll do a nutrition podcast next time. Yeah, right? let's talk belly buttons. <laughs> well, Sky is an amazing fitness trainer. I've known her for a little over a year now and worked with her in several different capacities here at ISSA. She's done some influencer stuff with us, lots of talks on nutrition. Um, she is a personal trainer. She works in a group training facility here locally in Arizona, and she does a lot of online nutrition coaching um, and in-person training. She has a fabulous garage gym, you guys, fabulous garage gym. So we'll get her Instagram out to you guys by the end of the show so you guys can check her out. Um, but Sky has some really great information about nutrition and more specifically about nutrition today, guys, I really want to dig into what we hear all the time. That is just not true. We, we kind of adopt these things that we hear online, like earn your booze. You can drink wine. If you work out like all these kind of dangerous things. Um, and I want to kind of address some of the ones that we're finding or that you maybe hear often, and we can really dig into them and address why they might be harmful for people. Fair. Absolutely. Cool. So we're really going to be talking some truths today. Mm-hmm. Um, so Sky, first and foremost, though, tell us a little bit about your fitness journey. How did you get to where you are now? Yeah, absolutely. So I was always a pretty active kid growing up, but I was never the type of you know high schooler, teenager who ever really 
fully exercised. I played sports, I played basketball and softball growing up. Um, and I have an amazing mother who is a personal trainer and a group fitness instructor, but I didn't really find my way into, uh, fitness and nutrition until college. I had moved to a new city for college. I moved to California and found myself in a really dark time in my life. I was very young and I was in a very abusive relationship. I had really lost sight of who I was as a person and through that really found my way to the gym and started to build myself back up both my um, my mental health, my confidence and my physical strength through weights and barbell training. And so I'm a big believer as a coach that movement and food is significantly more than just fuel and picking something heavy up. It definitely has an emotional connection. And so it's been a huge part of my life and essentially the way I say, I stay sane in this world. So that's really how I found my way into it. That's awesome. And like, I've seen your before and after pictures and like, forgive me for saying it this way. Like it is what it is, but you were like, you were a skinny girl. You were just pretty skinny and now you're fit. Like what, what happened for you? Um, it, it's so funny too, uh, when people look back at, at photos of me, you know, I get kind of mixed reactions of, oh, you were fine before, or wow, you look so fit now. And I growing up was really kind of just one of those lanky little body types that had nothing going on. And I, when I found my way into lifting and eating right, I found that building muscle was something that not only I wanted to do, but that made me feel better, made me look better. Mm -hmm. I was significantly more confident in and out of the gym. And so it, it is funny you say that. Looking back on those photos, I'm like, man, being able to actually build some legs and some strong arms has been huge for me. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, you put in the work for sure. And your husband is former NFL, right? Yes, he was a wide receiver for um, the Chicago Bears and the Jets. Ooh, go Bears! Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, you're around athletics now all the time and you definitely train like an athlete. That's for sure. She does pull-ups on the regular. Good for you. <laughs> Those are my favorite. I think uh, if I can give women any advice in this world, it's two things. Pick up a barbell and learn how to do a bodyweight pull-up. You will it'll change your life. Yeah. Well, Dan's an ultra marathoner, so he runs. <laughs> okay, Dan, you wouldn't know it. You wouldn't you're gonna know have it. To give me some points because- <laughs> Running for me is maybe uh, chasing my dog down the block when they get out and mm, that's about it. <laughs> that's what I used to say. I'm either being chased by a dog or chased by a human until there you oh, go. 10 years ago. Yeah. That, that's why you and me are different, Dan. I don't even run when being chased. <laughs> <laughs> I'll sit down now. and scream. I don't want to be tired when I die. You make yourself look heaven, bigger, so. right? <laughs> I know, right? Stand your ground. I'm trying to scare you. <laughs> well, if you've ever seen me, I'm not a small person. Sky's met me in person. I'm not a small human. I'm six feet tall. So I could, I could probably scare some stuff. <laughs> well, Sky, how did you get into the nutrition side? Like really the nutrition side and how you coach people through it? Absolutely. So when I first started training in college, um, you know, I found my way into a awesome community gym that focused a lot on whole body training, barbells, dumbbells, body weight movements, cardio, peer resistance training. It was great. And I made a lot of gains very quickly because as a newcomer to the gym, my body adapted very quickly. And about two years in to the process, I had hit some serious plateaus. 
Um, my PRs in the gym hadn't budged in ages. I was really lacking energy and I was kind of getting to the point where when I would go to work out, it was more so kind of dragging myself into there, trying to hype myself up and keep going. And I just hit this wall and, and was really confused. And I had an incredible um, nutrition macro coach from that gym in San Diego. His name's Lenny, shout out Lenny, uh, who kind of talked me through and said, if you're hitting these plateaus, you're probably not eating enough. And you know, I came back, no, I'm, I'm eating a ton. Paleo was the thing to do at the time. I'm hitting all my good fats. I'm, I'm crushing protein. And he said, well, most likely you're not. You probably think you are, but based on what you're describing and based on how much your progress has stagnated, you are probably underfeeding yourself. So he did my macros for me. And when I got those numbers back, it was a big no for me. I was like, absolutely not. I'm not eating yeah. that amount of carbs. That protein amount seems insane. And that calorie count, no, I'll gain weight. I will put on weight. And he said, you need to have a little faith in, in a new process because what you're doing right now isn't working. So we need to try something else. And that has been the catalyst for me as a coach and something I now say to my clients, what you're doing right now isn't working. So we need to try something else. We aren't certain that this next thing will be what will work for you. But the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Yeah. So uh, lo and behold, I ended up finding massive amounts of success with the macros he prescribed, which ended up being a high carb diet, high protein, more moderate fat consumption and upping my caloric intake significantly. And I've never gone back. And that experience for myself made me want to help other people, specifically women, get to that amazing place where you realize you can eat, you can make strength gains, you can still have a lean body composition all at the same time. That's awesome. I felt that in my bones there, have faith in a new process. It, That's awesome. I, I think um, oftentimes we are very reluctant to make any changes with the fear that we'll never be able to go back or it's going to put us in a worse position. But most of the time we find ourselves struggling because we've done the same thing for too long and it's generally the wrong things for our own body. Yeah, absolutely. I absolutely love you know this story, uh, Sky. This is the first time I've got to meet you and, and hear your background and it is so inspiring. I know we're going to have a lot of listeners out there who can relate in one way or another. Uh, there's, there's no shortage of folks whose lives have changed their personalities, their confidence, uh, everything by, by making some tweaks to their, their movement patterns, you know, their, their exercise routine, call it what you want and their nutrition. And that was very inspiring. It was uh, really good to hear. I'm a little older than you. So I absolutely love seeing when people get it before they, you know, get old, uh, you know, they get it while they're young. So Kudos to you. Very well done. Thank you, know, you. You, you, you mentioned something that, 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 that I want to kind of pick up on here. You mentioned paleo. And so at the risk of being controversial here, uh, paleo is a big trend. I'm sure it still is. Uh, uh, keto, big trend, right? Uh, you, you now marketing uh, has grabbed onto that and you can buy things in the stores that are marked you know, keto friendly or, or good for keto, you can find things that say gluten-free 
right? You can pick up a chocolate bar. It's gluten free. Well, shoot, mm-hmm. I'm all in. What is gluten? Yeah, That's a big old steak. Right gluten free. <laughs> you got gluten free. <laughs> then you've got you know no sugar, sugar free, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. so fat free. You know, and and mm-hmm. and I like to think personally, if it's as fat free, sugar free, it's a chemical H bomb. So, tell us about. The, you know, what are some of the things that, 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 that in your opinion, your professional opinion are, are good stuff and, you know, different strokes for different folks. We do know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what are some of the ones maybe we want to steer away from? Absolutely. So you're right. It is so interesting to me now that I've been in this industry for a little while, how we go in these trends where paleo in, you know, when I was doing paleo, it was 2014, 2015, 2016. Um, Then slowly paleo started to phase out and we kind of got into the keto area. Um, And then it was intermittent fasting and then it was this and that. And there was always, there's always something that pops up on social media, in health and fitness magazines, or just in talks around fitness communities. And it's just a trend. Everybody's doing this new trend because this is the thing that we haven't figured out yet. And this is the answer. This is why we haven't lost the weight we wanted to lose. This is why we're not happy with our body. If you just do this thing, that's going to get us there. And I have found with my clients, um, because I have clients from all walks of life, really diverse backgrounds, some who have tried a lot of different diets, some who have absolutely no idea what those diets are. And without fail, the emotional tie to these diets is what keeps them going. People really seek out a title of a diet, paleo, keto, intermittent fasting, with the emotional hope that this is the thing that's going to get them to their goals. And unfortunately, nine times out of 10, I have found that these diets lack something for most people. And usually they are not rooted in science. They are rooted in kind of pseudoscience and they keep people on this, on this path of trying the next thing, buying the next product, feeling that awful feeling of failure and starting that hamster wheel all over. There you go. Preach sister. Yes. It is double mic drop. Double mic drop. It is marketing all day. I absolutely agree. Cause like people are like, Oh, the Mediterranean diet. What is that? It's the way the people eat over there. Like it's, it's somebody put a name on it and is selling it. That's all it is. Um, everything that, yeah, diets are dumb because it's just somebody trying to make money off of it. It's so, so true. And I have told my clients, you know, the health and fitness industry is a $72 billion industry that keeps going by taking Billion with a B. you taking mm-hmm. money out of your pocket selling you fake promises because at the end of the day if there was a quick fix or a magic pill we would all take it we would all take it because when at the end of the day if there was a shortcut most of us wouldn't spend years of our life learning how to eat learning how to train and then trying to educate others i mean if i could go buy a pill from whatever ad on instagram pops up and i would have the muscle it's taken me years to put on okay i would do it hands down and you know, at the end of the day, these fancy labels or these names are really just something that somebody thought, you know what, I bet somebody would buy this. And it's generally just rooted in, in, in fake science or rooted in somebody's success. That doesn't mean that it will be your success. 
Absolutely. If you guys want a good read, I listen to NPR all the time. And this book called Hooked, it's by a guy named Michael Moss. And it's uh, called Hooked, Food, Free Will, and How the Food Giants Exploit Our Addictions. Mm -hmm. Um, He also has another book called Salt, Sugar, Fat. Those are the three things that they exploit and our bodies are addicted to them. And it's a fabulous read, um, but it talks all about how those three um, components of food are used and how they add more of them to our food to make our bodies crave it. Um, So that's true with packaged foods. It's like, like Dan said, the H bomb, when you have low fat, low sugar, low carb things, there's other stuff in there that gives it substance, that gives it texture, that gives it the flavor that your body says, "Mm, this is good, right? It's all chemicals at that point. Um, It's kind of like love. It's just a chemical. (laughs) It's not real, right? That's another podcast. (laughs) And those chemicals, you know, they get to our reward center or pleasure centers in our brain. And then we crave them more. And on top of that, we then remember where they are. I mean, there's a reason why the bag of spring mix in your fridge turns the liquid and you forget when you bought it, that you (laughs) never forget where the ice cream or the Oreos are. I mean, it's at the end of the day, it is such strong marketing and science that has created these foods that make us crave them and want them. And oftentimes we, if we're not educated, we end up powerless to very strong marketing techniques and usually end up in some capacity emotionally distraught because once again, we failed at at another type of diet. I haven't found success. It has to be me. I have to be doing something wrong. Yeah. So would you say that you teach more of a balanced approach Versus like earn your treats or, oh, I hate this one, earn your booze. And I have, I have a friend who has a company called Earn Your Booze. Fabulous guy, Alan, but I don't agree with the concept. Mm-hmm. But do you really preach balance instead? I'm a big believer in balance. And I, like I said, I grew up with a mom who was a personal trainer, a group fitness instructor, a triathlete. And growing up, you know, she raised two daughters with the thought process of, I want to be very careful not to impeach any or, or preach any type of bad food behavior. And mm-hmm. her approach our entire life was have a little bit of everything. A little bit of everything is okay. There weren't any foods that were off limits in our house. There was never foods that she didn't consume or, and she was never on a diet. So what she did instead is cooked almost all of our meals at home. So we knew what was going into it. When anytime we wanted things like treats, she would say, okay, you guys want soda. All three of you kids, because we had a brother too, you guys can split a soda. So it wasn't the idea of, no, you can't have that. That's going to be so bad for you. It was sure, have a little bit in moderation. And I'm a big believer in telling my clients, when you restrict yourself and you try and put yourself into one of these boxes of these special diets, paleo, Mediterranean, whatever it may be, you constantly think about what you can't have. And then what does that usually end up doing for you? Gets you to a point where you then go binge on the thing that you told yourself for the last two weeks you can't have. Whereas if when you were craving something, for me, I have a sweet tooth. When I crave something, I consume in moderation and I take full accountability for what I am consuming. I think through the choice, am I mindlessly consuming this because I'm stressed or tired or upset? Or do I actually really want this dessert or, or whatever it may be. I slow down, I enjoy it. And then I move on with my day. And I've told my clients that having a little bit of everything is the best way to go because naturally when you're consuming a little bit of everything, you stop wanting these things that you've put off limits for so long. 
Yeah. Yeah. They don't taste as good. I get that when I compete and I'm sure Dan has when he's competed before in his marathons and such like, yeah, you're the whole time you're training for actually Dan has told us a story. I want you to tell this story, Dan. Um, like all, every time I prep for a show, um, I'm all, Oh my gosh, I really want a hamburger. I want in and out so bad. And then I get it after the show and I'm like, this is terrible. I don't want this. (laughs) And you realize that you really didn't want it. It's just because you couldn't quote, quote, have it before. And so I don't tell myself I can't have it. I'm like, is this going to get me towards my goal? probably not, then don't do it. Like you could eat this another time. You're not going to (laughs) die. But Dan, tell us about the story about how you really wanted, was it a hamburger? Tell us the story, Dan. Tell us the story. I'll start with this. So Sky, you grew up with a a triathlete mother and I would bet that she either, obviously not her, had some friends because there's some folks that feel that if you're doing these massive amounts of training, all these hours, burning all these calories, you just eat whatever you want. And they eat horribly absolutely horribly uh there's some athletes that i've raced with where all they eat is mcdonald's hamburgers no lie that's and i do ultra triathlon so for days that's all they're eating uh so everybody's different my approach is i I try to keep it clean keep it smart you know keep it balanced do all those things during my training season and i look forward to the the finish line and then i'm gonna binge and i mean binge so, so I was doing a race uh, two Junes ago, I think it was. It was a double Ironman, a uh, really tough race. Uh, yeah, right. Your face right now, double oh Ironman. Oh my gosh. You had, you was, uh, yeah, it, was it was 106 degrees. Uh, 17 of us started, five finished. And it was mostly the heat. Um, you know, used, <laughs> it, it was just, it was a rough race. And uh, I fell over on my bike. And so it hurt my glutes, slowed me down, et cetera. So I was going right to the end, couldn't change out shoes, couldn't pop blisters. So I was miserable. And as I'm getting you know, closer to finishing the run, I started visualizing a double Western bacon cheeseburger, which I don't even know the last time I actually had one of those, but I was visualizing it, just tasting it. Yeah. So I came around to the lap counter. I'm like, dude, as soon as I'm done, it's a double Western bacon cheeseburger, at least one, probably two. It's like, all right, man. All right, man. We're going to have your order for you. And he's trying to get in my head because you get all loopy on these races. So I come around again. He's like, all right, we got, we're going to get the hamburger. I'm like, I want fries. I want to order of fries. I want two big orders of fries. So every lap I made, I added to the menu. Yeah. And it was just, I, I was just, I could taste it. So boom, I crossed the finish line. Everything's great. Put away the bike, put away, actually passed out. I went unconscious uh, for a little while, but uh, I gave it my all. But once I was awake, they'd loaded all my stuff for me. We go into town, freaking Carl's Jr. is closed. I wanted to cry. (laughs) Yeah, it was too late at night. I wanted to cry. So I went to Winco. I couldn't walk. So I got on one of those scooters that, that, you know, is provided for disabled folks. And I scooted around and just filled the basket with crap. But yeah, that was <laughs> that's my story. Oh my gosh. Yeah, talk about anticlimactic, right? <laughs> but the devastating feeling of seeing those that dark Carl's Jr. I oh, just like oh, it was the brutal. It was terrible. And they were all closed. It's a little tiny town in Oregon. There was no fast food. And again, I we don't, we don't, we don't eat fast food. My daughter got her driver's license. I had a sticker made for the back window of her pickup that said, if you see this car in a fast food drive-in or fast food restaurant, call 530-blankety-blank-blank-blank. <laughs> had my phone number on it. It's been stolen. Or <laughs> else, right? Yeah. How about another rapid review? This one from Lindsay in Florida. 
talking about the ISSA online coach. What does she say? She says it has a ton of useful marketing tools and resources that I didn't know about. It's definitely helping me to start a business. Thank you, Lindsay. I know. So speaking of fast food, like similar, um, what, what do you guys think about carb shaming? What's the deal with carb shaming? Oh my gosh. I, I would love to get to a place in health and fitness where we can stop looking at carbs as the enemy. It kills me. And I, like I said, I the majority of my clients are female. I have quite a few men, but majority women every single one of them, when we start talking, talks me through this process of, how, of what they do to cut their carbs in their day. And I, you know, I always listen and I hear them out. And then I hit them with, I eat high carb every single day of my life. That is not the problem. And I wish we could stop blaming a certain macronutrient for our lack of success. For a yeah. long time in the nineties, it was fat. Mm-hmm. Now it's carbs. Um, at, you know, what the other day I saw something Jillian Michael saying it was protein. High protein is the problem. What are we supposed to eat? That's the thing. <laughs> what? Are I mean, we, we can't even eat? eat paper. That's fiber. <laughs> and I would we eat air. Name it from the rooftops. There is no such thing as a problem with protein, carbs, or fats. It is overconsumption of anything. It is calories in versus calories out. It's energy expenditure and. If we could just stop listening to every person we see on Instagram and start actually looking at science, we would be so much better off. And I think, you know, and I have a lot of clients right now who are coming off keto. Currently, I'm working with a female client who lost 40 pounds on keto and actually gained it all back. And well, for sure, as soon as you start eating carbs again, yep. your body's like, um, um, um. the second you start eating a normal diet. And not only is that so hard on somebody's body, but it's also so detrimental to your mental health because now you have this huge success and this huge failure on your hands. I use failure in air quotes because you've, you've been misled through this process of why did you lose weight on keto? You were in a caloric deficiency. That is just what happened. It wasn't the fat because trust me, like you're saying, Dan, eating bacon cheeseburgers with no bun is not healthier for you than eating a sweet potato or rice. It's just not. I will never forget. I went through a drive-through once. This was a long time ago. And I remember a fast food restaurant worker telling me that they are always perplexed by that person who comes and orders like that double waste Western cheeseburger with the large onion rings, a side of mozzarella sticks. Oh, and I'll have a diet Coke. Yeah. What's the no point button. at that point? You might as well get a regular yeah. Coke. <laughs> Enjoy yourself at that point, man. Sheesh. <laughs> When you're eating three days worth of calories at yes. once, just get the regular Coke. Why do I feel like you're talking about me right now? Jenny? <laughs> Danny's trying to diet right Coke now, uh, addiction, so it's all right. I got some diet Dr. Peppers in my pantry, but I hide them from my boyfriend because he'll drink them like water, whereas I drink them once every couple weeks, oh, and I go in to look for them, and they're gone and not gone. replaced. Uh, we we hide all sweets in this house. You know, Sky, you said you had a sweet tooth, but not. I mean, I I. It's gone. So every time I've moved, uh, when we're packing boxes, I find my wife's hiding places that she forgot about. And we'll have like two-year-old cookies. 
We'll have oh. Christmas candy because as soon as we get sweets in the house, that's the way it goes. The, the kids yeah, know we hide them in the kids' room, my daughter's room, my wife hides them. Every once in a while, I'm doing something. I'm like, oh, score. I just, I just found some ginger snaps last week, actually. And I was, oh my God. unfortunately, they were there from Christmas, so they just weren't doing the job. They were yeah. like, yeah, yeah. That reminds me, I've always had a sweet tooth too. And I was a bigger kid. Like I lost 60 pounds 11 years ago. And that's what got me in. And this changed, absolutely changed my life. But I remember when I was younger, I lived in Seattle and my parents had, I had a trundle bed, like the bed with the bed underneath where it pops up and turns into a full or you can let somebody else sleep on it. And my parents were like, hey, we got you a new bed. We got you a full size bed. I was like, sweet. I'm so excited. They go in to move my trundle bed away from the wall. And I had a big room growing up. I was kind of spoiled. They pull my trundle bed away from the wall. You guys, no less than a thousand Tootsie Roll wrappers. I used to sneak downstairs. My dad would buy candy at Costco and I'd sneak downstairs with my little t-shirt on and stick it in my shirt and run upstairs. Mind you, they knew I did it every time because my bedroom was right next to theirs. And I'd go sit in my room and eat candy. And I was like, what do I do with the wrappers? I just stuff them behind my bed. My dad, his, I've never had him look at me so disappointed. He was like, what in the world? (laughs) I was like, But let me point something out here for the listeners. Um, take heed. We're, we've, we've, you know, listened to Sky talk about not eating enough, uh, thinking food was the enemy, you know, not uh, embracing, fit, you know, strength training. Uh, Jenny having lost, you know, a significant amount of weight, hiding the Tootsie Rolls. We want, you heard a couple of mine. Uh, but what's the theme here? We're all in the fitness industry and people look at us and I know we can all agree. Uh, without yeah. even having this discussion in advance, you get up and you start teaching a nutrition course. And as soon as I say something like, yeah, I love sweets. They're like, you do? Yep. You yeah. actually eat chocolate? We're human. You do this. People think that because we're in the fitness industry, or we, we teach it or we preach it, that we have these perfect eating routines and we always have. That is not the case. Nobody does. That, that's, we're humans just like everybody else. So remember that when you're, when you're, you know, are looking to make some changes uh, everybody has done that. Uh, it, that includes the folks that are helping you. Yeah, nobody's perfect. These people that you idolize, they have mess-ups too. They just don't share it, right? We all have those issues. Or we short-term it and clean it up. You know, yep. it's like, okay, yeah, I killed it last night, but now let's get back on the horse until next month when I find that area of weakness again or whatever. Um, you, you just get back on the, 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 the horse and keep on going. I think too, you know, and something that I tell a lot of my clients is our body composition and our success with our goals is what we do most of the time, not some of the time. So when you take a look at your average day or your average week, if you can add up more W's, you know, more wins towards your goals than, than things that pulled you away from your goals, you're probably on the right track and you're probably doing fine. And on top of that, you know, if you look at your week and you have quote unquote fallen off, there is never a better time than right now to jump back on. And I try and be really honest with my clients and say like my, I do have a sweet tooth and many days out of my week, I'm finding ways to in a very moderate capacity, include things that I like to eat. I don't restrict myself, but I always choose my food choices mindfully and accountable to myself and my goals. I love frozen yogurt. That is like my weakness in life. I don't go into a frozen yogurt shop thinking to myself, okay, I'm going to, 
I'm going to get the least amount that I can and really restrict and only have this. And every single bite, I'm going to just beat myself up that I did. They didn't stick to this goal and I fell off. And tomorrow I'm going to work out twice and restrict all of my calories. That is not a sustainable way to approach any of it. You can consume foods that are outside of your goals with the mindset that this is what I'm doing some of the time, not most of the time. Absolutely. When I go to a frozen yogurt place, I'm that person that can make a $20 bowl of frozen yogurt. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm I'm that girl. And then I ask, do you have a coupon code? (laughs) Uh, And I think too, that something I tell my clients as well is when you let yourself be a human being and enjoy things like a piece of cake on your birthday or a glass of wine with your spouse on date night, that makes you want to work harder to your goals anyway, because you're not so hyper-focused on every single calorie and ounce of food that goes into your mouth or every single rep. You are able to have a well-balanced approach to life. So then you do want to work harder to get to those goals. And there's, and like you said, Dan, there's going to be times in life or for you, like when you're training for an ultra marathon, double Ironman, Superman type of competition, or you, Jenny, when you are training for a physique competition, that's going to be a different mindset. That's not a forever mindset. And so I think that when our listeners are thinking about making changes, my approach always is small, sustainable habit change equals a long-term lifestyle. You don't have to go cold turkey and revamp everything you're doing right now. It can be as simple as maybe you cut out two sodas in your week. Maybe Mm -hmm. you walk instead of take the elevator or take the stairs up to your office. Maybe you add one or two more bites of vegetables at dinner. It, those things add up. It's not, I think oftentimes people fail at their weight loss goals because they try and do too much too quick. And I think every single one of us on this conversation right now can say, we didn't get to where we are because we made a split second decision and boom, now we have this lifestyle. We've spent years perfecting what we're doing. Absolutely. And even in that case, it's not perfect, right? We yep. all have, like you said, we all have those days where we're like, you know what? I'm going to go to Carl's Jr. You know what? I'm going to do whatever I'm going to do. Um, but yeah, the key is it, it has to be a lifestyle. It has to be something you do every single day. Absolutely. And I mean, we're just talking about nutrition here, not even talking about like the things that people hear about, you know, training or cardio, like there's so much more that goes on, but, but the bottom line for me is if, if it doesn't seem right, or it seems too good to be true or like, oh, this is a quick fix. It's probably not right. Yeah. Maybe you should ask more questions. Yes. And to me as a pro- fitness professional, I tell people, even the athletes I work with, if you ask me why on something in anything, anything that I'm having you do, ask me why, if I can't explain it to you, you probably shouldn't be doing it. And I probably shouldn't be asking you to do it. Right. So if somebody asks you to do something, they're like, Oh, try this diet, try this, do this, um, take out this out of your diet. Ask the question, why try to understand how is this going to help you? How is this going to help you do something different? And if they can't explain it to you, peace. Bye. Like (laughs) it's not going to help you. I love that. And I think you hit the nail on the head because we as coaches always need to lead with the mindset of what works for me won't necessarily work for my clients. And then on top of that, I am not the end all be all of advice. If there is something I prescribe or recommend that doesn't work for you, then we need to pivot because the client's goals always come first. And, um, I am a big fan of Mark Carroll. He's, I don't, I'm sure you guys have heard of him. Australian, amazing, um, 
fitness coach, but he said something on Instagram the other day. He said, most fitness professionals aim to entertain you, not educate you. So you decide, where are you getting your advice from? Are you getting your advice from somebody who has your goals in mind, who cares about your outcomes? Or are you listening to somebody who decided this worked for me and I now am going to give you all the advice. And if you don't follow it, then that's why you're not having success. You really should question everything that comes in into your uh, goals. And like you said, Jenny, if I can't give a legitimate reason why I'm having a client do something, there is no reason they should listen to me. Absolutely. Yeah. Karch Karai said it best for me. He said the people who played sports or did things at a super high level are probably not the best coaches. Why? Because all they ever say is this is what I did. This is what I do. This is how it worked for me. You are not that 12 year old standing in front of you. That's trying to learn how to pass a volleyball. So like some of the best coaches, some of the best people that guide people in fitness are people who have yes, experienced it on their own and lived that lifestyle, but maybe didn't do it at a super, super high level. Um, They've just learned everything that they can. And that's why I love Dan, this man's brain, like his head should be five times as big as it is because of the amount of knowledge that he has in there. Don't tell him I said that. Oh wait, he's listening. Um, but like, he has so much education and that's the key. You have to educate yourself, take it upon yourself. Nobody's going to take care of you the way that you will. And the way that you take care of yourself is learn, educate, ask questions and be your own advocate. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that you said that Sky. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I, I think that you're absolutely right to in the education piece. And I think, you know, we're talking about controversial myths when it comes to nutrition. So many of them apply to fitness as well. And I think I would love for all of us as a, as a health and fitness community to get to a place where we value science and fact over opinion and one or two per- people's experience with something. You know, I always tell my clients, if you cannot find fact on why this worked or even flip that around. If you've heard things that you think are true, research it. You know, we're talking about controversial things with food, same with fitness, the amount of women who come to me and said, okay, well, I really want to lose weight, but I want to tone up. And I I was going to say, we have got to retire the word tone. It has got to go. (laughs) And, you know, people telling me things like, oh, you know, I don't want to lift heavy weights. I don't want to get bulky. And I think to myself, honey, I've tried to bulk my entire time. (laughs) I have yet to do it. So if you you figure that out, you let me know. You let me know, girl, because (laughs) that is not going to happen. I can promise you that. Yeah. Absolutely. So cool. Well, we'll definitely have to do another episode and talk a little bit more about the fitness side of these myths um, and really just bang them out. Let's talk about them. Let's figure it out and let's understand why they're not true and why they're potentially hurting you. But thank you so much for your expertise and your time, Sky. It's been a blast. Thank you both for having me. This has been great. Absolutely. And Dan, any parting words for our homies? You know, I had a lot of mic drops here and (laughs) I did. I did for both of you. I mean, it's, I'm really, really happy that that both of you are able to share this knowledge with our listeners out there. So my parting words are, you know, thank you both very much. And to the listeners out there, uh, thank you for your time and, and keep, keep, keep listening, learning. And just like the lady said, researching. Absolutely. Love that. And with that, we bid you adieu. And just remember, guys, always make good choices. We'll be talking to you soon.